open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, our God and Savior, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the gifts you give us. We ask for wisdom in our decisions as we wrestle with the questions of our lives. Give us wisdom and discernment. Lord, your truth is that which sets us free, and we need to know your truth. Freedom from slavery of sin, freedom from misunderstanding, freedom from bondage, bondage to false thinking and teaching, and freedom for our own idols. Freedom to let us believe in your truth, to hold fast to your truth. Holy Spirit, enable us to trust in Jesus, who is the object of our saving faith, and to believe the words spoken of him, by him, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit given, breathed out by God, and here written down by your servant, the Apostle Paul. Help us, Lord, to be both hearers and believers, to live out this truth, and not to believe untruth. In Jesus' name we ask. So today, we're going to go through Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. Now recall last week, Paul was calling us to walk in a new life, the one that God had intended for us to live. We no longer walk in our old selves. We are to put off our old behaviors and to live as Jesus would have us live, to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. So today, we have Paul's instruction on how we are to walk in love as Christ loved us. Paul is calling on us to be imitators of God. So Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is a very, very strong charge that Paul is giving us, to walk as Jesus walked. Obviously, none of us can do that while we are here on earth. We are simply not, not capable. We need to remember that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice to die for us while we were yet enemies of God. And we are to walk in the love of God as beloved children, obedient and faithfully following the leadership that God gives us. And we are to do this sacrificially for God. We're being called to do this by Paul. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony." We're called to a firm conviction and knowledge of God's love 
on our place in the family of God. This then motivates the self-sacrifice necessary to live the Christian life. How often and how much we hear of others criticizing others in the media today. It is very, very common. And this is exactly what we as Christians are not supposed to do. We are supposed to, in kindness and and, and love and humility and meekness, to call those people out, out of their lives and into the life with Jesus. So verses 3 and 4, Paul makes a slight shift here. He says, Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It is not in God's design of the universe for us to make crude jokes about human sexuality. This trivializes the relationship between men and women. Likewise, excessive adoration of sexuality is worship of our own mortal bodies, again, violating God's perfect plan of redemption. As we are called out of destruction, decay, and death of sin, we become God's saints, and in doing so, we move towards God's restored image in the resurrection. By this, we can accept God's gifts to us, including human sexual relations, with thanksgiving and praise, and help to restore these gifts to their proper place. In Proverbs 5.18, Proverbs 5.18, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Hebrews 13.4 Hebrews 13.4 Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. The instruction here is incredibly clear that there is a higher calling that we individually are being called to to follow Jesus. Verse 5, Ephesians 5, 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 5, this curse is repeated many times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Disloyalty to one's spouse is the equivalent of disloyalty to God. This is not a light thing to be taken. It is, it is very, very serious. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. 
For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. There are those who believe their lives can be lived well according to their own will. They do not believe that the universe will kneel before God on the final day. To them, there is no hope. There is no recompense. They will say there is no God, that there is no judgment. But these people are lost, and they live their lives in vain. We shall not hear, heed their voices, neither shall we hate them. Jesus says we are to have compassion for them and to call on them to follow Jesus. How often do we hear this? And how often do you hear people say, well, I do this because it makes me feel good. I give money to the poor because it makes me feel good. What's the motivation to make yourself feel good? It's not a motivation to help Jesus reach them. So fundamentally, you cannot have a good act, even though it looks the same externally. You cannot have a good act without Jesus. You're following the wrong thing. Verses 7 and 8. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Here in verses 7 and 8, we are to not behave as the lost behave. We are not to think the way they do. Once we were also lost and we walked in the darkness. But Jesus reached down and rescued each of us. And now we walk in the light. And we know that God has chosen us to be his children. That he loves us and he died in our place to save us. We are called to walk as children of light. Ephesians 3.6, we're going to read back to Ephesians 3.6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We must realize that Jesus did not call us to obey God with a dreary heart in fear of God's retribution or his wrath. This is not what God calls us to be. But in the light of Jesus, we are to celebrate with open hearts and arms. Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. John 8.12. John 8.12. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew 5.14-16. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light for all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that may, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I always loved that children's song, This Little Light of Mine. It, th this verse reminds me of that every single time I read it. Verses 9 and 10. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Did you catch that? All that is good and right and true. The three things always go together. This is what it is to walk in the light. Jesus gives us that freedom. We know this, and we know this is what we are called to. And this is pleasing to God. Verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The fruit of darkness is death and despair, fear. Jesus does not call us to this, and we know this. But we only know this because we know Jesus. And we are told to expose darkness for what it is. Verses 12 and 13. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. By exposing the darkness, we will shame unbelievers from their wanton behavior. Once they see their behavior in this way, they too will know they are lost. They will stop behaving in this way simply because we shine the light upon what they are doing. Verse 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This little phrase right here, if you're reading this in... The, almost any translation, it shows up as almost like it's a little, a poem or a limerick or something, and it's separate. It turns out that it's not a reference to anything in the Old Testament, though it recurs from time to time as a thought. We believe it's part of an old Christian hymn that the Apostle Paul was calling out, and that it would be recognized by the people reading this letter. And it reminds us of some of these Old Testament passages. Let me give you one. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God is calling for the spiritually dead to come alive in the new life. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love this image that Paul is calling us to. Singing hymns, and psalms and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of t the time, because the days are evil. Paul advises us to take care in how we walk not as the unwise, but with care and intentionality. We choose the path of our lives carefully to make the best use of our time. There is a time for rest so that we take up and work again. The days are evil and we will hear the wrong path calling to us. 
But we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Verses 17 and 18. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul cautions us not to be foolish, to be intentional in what we think and what we do. And Paul admonishes, admonishes us to not be drunk. How much times are the same today as they were then. Many years ago, I had a, a young man who was an intern. Leanne and I had known this young man for about 30 years. He came to us from UCLA and he was working his doctorate at UCLA in engineering. He completed his doctoral work there and got a job with NASA. He was a very, very sharp guy. He liked to party and he enjoyed a really good time. About two years ago, he started feeling very, very sick. Even to the point of checking himself into the hospital. He'd never told any of us how bad it really was. He had ended up drinking himself to death. He'd killed his liver. He died just over a year ago in March. He died at home alone. A friend from work had to call the sheriffs for a wellness check, and they found that he had died alone in his chair. Leanne and I were part of the group of people that went over to help clean up the house afterwards because it had fallen into very, very bad disrepair, and we didn't want his family to see what was inside the house and to remember him in that way. The world is very, very lost, and it's difficult. How different is the life that we are called to, and how empty the life of those who are lost. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts. This is the life we we the life in the light that we walk with Jesus. We call out to one another with a song in our hearts, making music and singing. This is what the life in Jesus should be like. Verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a funny thing. I have four friends who are Christians and they attend Catholic Church. And we have this conversation often about, so which is more important? And they know the right answer, that, that following Jesus and his instruction and not that of the Pope is actually what they should be doing. They've, they truly do know Jesus. One of, the, one of them is an engineer, a little bit younger than me. And he has a son that was in private school and the young man was having trouble with another kid at school and so there was a day where this kid that was creating the trouble was sitting with my friend and my friend asked him if he belonged to a gang and the kid immediately said oh no I don't I don't belong to a gang and my friend said yeah you do you belong to Jesus gang 
And I, I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. And he was trying to communicate at a level that the kid would understand. And it's little snippets like this that I know my Catholic friends are Christians, these four, because I keep hearing these pieces coming out like this, where they, refer, they talk about Jesus. They talk about who he is and why it's important to follow him. Another one of them drives, describes his life as one of gratitude, and he truly lives it. He is grateful for the life that he has from God, and his life is a testament of thanks to God for the life that he has. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4.6. Galatians 4.6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We're called to give thanksgiving to God. And living the Christian life, it is easy to lift up your voices and our hearts to God. Verse 21, that's the last verse we're going to cover today, but it's actually a transition verse from this idea to the idea that you're going to hear about next week. And this is a, a next week's passage is often misrepresented by a lot of people. They like to call out one part of the passage and not the other. And it's very important that you hear both of them because the two of them go together. But this is a transition from this idea of walking with God to this new idea. So verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, living in unity in the love of Jesus. We are called to submit to each other, to forgive as God forgave us. And that last verse is a transitional verse, and it moves on to next week. Paul is trying to continuously give us very practical and simple instruction on what it is to live the Christian life here. We do this and we emulate Christ. And if by our actions people can see the hands and feet of Jesus serving them, how great is that? That's exactly why we should be doing these things. We are all fallen people and we cannot save ourselves. So the Father sends his only Son, Jesus, and Jesus came that we might have life to its fullest, abundantly overflowing. And by what Jesus does, we become children of God. How great is that? How amazing is that? And we can call him Abba, Father. That is the Christian life, and that is what we are called to. I once heard someone make a joke about the fact that too many people use Jesus as a life preserver. And the whole time they're thinking of Jesus as a life preserver and they're missing the entire cruise ship that they're on the whole time. And it's, there's all this other stuff that living with Jesus comes along with. And they're looking at the wrong things. They're focusing only on Jesus as a life preserver. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to be.
Let me close out with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you've told us in your holy word that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Salvation from sin and salvation from guilt, salvation from hell, salvation from Satan, salvation from emptiness, salvation from meaninglessness, salvation from bondage to self, and eventually salvation from disease and disability. You have told us the gospel is the salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. That the righteousness of God is revealed from faith into faith. It is written that the just shall live by faith. So our prayer is that everyone listening would not escape from the power of the gospel, but that all will yield to your mighty and gracious hand and be saved from everything that destroys life, now and forever. We ask this in the great name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.